you're all gonna you're gonna give us a little bit of a journey into your powerlifting because I know you're from a finance background. I've already pressed yes. record, by the way. So okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> straight in. Straight uh, yeah, in. you're from a you're from a finance background. So how did you get into powerlifting from there? Or was it a uni? Yeah, so I guess it goes back to it goes back to school, which is also when I met Yusuf. So I met Yusuf in the gym while we were both at school, so both like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, started training, was like overweight as a kid, got like, played rugby at school, G- gym came along with that, and then there's just a competition of like, well, you know, who can lift the most in the school gym, on the mm-hmm. school rugby team, like who's got the biggest bench press, biggest squat, biggest deadlift. Um, realized that I liked the training more than the sport a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, went to uni, tried something different, tried rowing at uni, but the same thing, right? Like there's a big, big emphasis on, on training and having a gym program and having a nutrition program and all that sort of stuff. So it was actually once I left all of that, so I like left doing sport, uh, started work. So I was in the finance world and I was just looking for something to still do. Like I didn't want to commit to like evening sessions on a team or anything like that, but I knew I was going to the gym anyway. So powerlifting was just like a way of making the gym into a sport. Yeah. Um, so it, like it fit, it fit what I was looking for perfectly really. Um, and about a year after working, it's like starting the grad scheme in finance, I did my first competition. So it would have been like end of 2013. I did, I did my first competition in powerlifting. And it, it, to be honest, it was Yusuf, my business partner who encouraged me to do that. Um, Cause he, he'd been doing it quite a bit up until then. I'd never, even thought about it and he really encouraged me came along with me in my first competition all that sort of stuff so so yeah are you of the so belief a, a, that you're not really a power lifter unless you actually compete or you're not so elitist uh, i don't really yeah i don't really care like if someone wants to call themselves a power lifter like if they focus on squat bench deadlift then i kind of think there's no reason to not compete because yeah. it, it just adds structure into your training and it it gives you there's there's nothing quite like like the, the the prep and the build up for a big competition with your training, like it just feels different. And the same I, as any sport, right? Yeah, exactly. I had this chat with a, a strong man as well, and I've actually had this chat with um, a couple of bodybuilders as well. It's like you're not really, especially in those, especially in those t- types of competitions, you're not really competing, right? Like it's not you versus another person. All right, you might adjust your lift to, based on someone else and to try and get first place, but not really. You're just trying to get there as another marker. And it just puts more emphasis on that. Like it's, and, it, and again, it's not for, we're going to get into like you actually competing like for a high level, but it's really not for anyone else. It's not like rugby where you're competing as a team and you're doing it for your mates quite a lot of the time. You're actually just doing it as a sort of representation of yourself. Yeah, and it's a, it's a different. I suppose. Well, I mean, I've never played like aside from school team. I've never mm-hmm. played competitive rugby. Um, I, I I rode for the uni that I went to, but mm-hmm. again, that's different because like there's something about competing in a powerlifting competition where it it's a skill by itself. Like it's all very well working up to a heavy single in a gym session with your music on. Where, you know, you've got the environment as you want it. You squat when you want to. It's at the time of day when you want to. You've got nothing else on your mind. No one's watching you. But then replicating that in a competition, like after having waited around for three hours in a weird place, you know, it's it's a different, it's almost like a, a separate part of, of the sport. So yeah. I think to, to strictly say, you know, I'm a, I'm a powerlifter, I think to everyone's got their gym lifts and then their competition lifts. And for most people, they're different. For most mm-hmm. people, it's quite a, quite a gap. Um 
I think I just think it's a it's a good experience. Like the first time I did it, um, and I, it's the same with like a lot of my friends who are now really into the sport. The first time I competed, it was just like, wow, okay, I can see myself uh, really getting into this. It's quite a rush to yeah. to lift heavy on a, on a platform. Yeah, yeah, you're looking out to everyone. I I, I did. Uh, I've done one proper Olympic weightlifting competition, and it's the same thing. Okay, uh, and again. Yeah actually you know how much of a skill it is I suppose the olympic lifts are probably a bit more skilled than the you know technically than the the power lifts but definitely. it's yeah, like definitely. it's still like I, I, yeah i was like i think 30 kilos off my best or something mm-hmm. like ridiculous and it's just like i have no idea like how like because you just get one shot yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah. but yeah so it's yeah. completely different and i actually put that in a post on um my Instagram a while back as well, talking about like why are people training for better one rep max lifts if that's not your end goal? If it is your end goal, you know it, you're training for it because it's like a completely different skill. And yeah. then there's the one rep yeah. max layered even more so, I guess, with the with people watching and like two hour burrito breaks or whatever it is with power. <laughs> yeah. And all the rules as well, right? Like you've got, and it's the same in weightlifting, you've got all these criteria that a lift's got to hit. So in, in powerlifting, especially, you've got Oh, yeah. On a bench press, you've got you unrack it, and then you, you're waiting for someone to tell you to start, and then you hold it on your chest till someone gives you the press command. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's a thing to like going to a, going to your local gym and working up to a heavy single. It's a it's a unless you train that way, which obviously yeah. you should do as you get more serious. But yeah, I think I unless there's like a, a reason why not, if you're into strength training, I think com- compete in something. At least give it a try. It doesn't have to be powerlifting, but a strength sport. Yeah, um, just to give you a, an actual deadline focus, right? And exactly. Fun. Yeah. 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 For sure. And then your biggest focus of your powerlifting career so far would have been um, qualifying for worlds. Um, how did you go about yeah. that? How long into your training career was that? To be honest, it was a it, it was a it was a whirlwind. Like my first, so my first competition was twenty thirteen, end of twenty thirteen. I then like so. I, got into it, did another couple of local competitions and then did nationals in 2014. So I don't know how much people listening know about it, but the idea is you have to hit in your weight class, you have to hit a certain total, the combination squat bench deadlift. And if your total is above a certain number, you you qualify to go to nationals, which is like the best in Britain. And that total has to be in a regional competition or a sanctioned competition. Does it now with, um, with COVID and stuff with, I, to be honest, I don't know. Um, like, I don't. There's been some weird stuff in the US with their nationals. And I know it's been. Not, I know they've not, done it with a uh, strongman. They've like you have to like look at the plates, put the plates on the scale, and then like. Show oh the right. Yeah. No, it, I think it would still be because the judging, especially in the IPF, which is what I compete in, so International mm-hmm. Powerlifting Federation, have got all these kind of bodies beneath them. The rules are so strict. Um, I think you probably still have to go to a competition. So everyone's just waiting for competitions to restart again. Waiting for that um, vaccine. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got a total above a certain number. You go to nationals. So that was my first ever nationals. Um, and I placed third in that competition, um, which was just like, whoa, like how am I, I manage this? Um, and the standard back then, so this is 2014. The standard back then is not what it is now. Right. It was, it was a, a less popular sport. Um, but a guy called Tom Martin came first. Um, don't know whether you've heard of him. He's a pretty strong guy. He used to be a sprinter, like extremely strong. Um, guy called Pierre came second. I came third. And basically, Tom decided that he was going to move federations. 
So didn't go to Worlds. Didn't go to Europeans, didn't go to Worlds. And then I got the invite. Federations. Yeah, so, I mean, (laughs) yeah, he he moves to a to a federation with like um different rules i guess so he can he can, he can use a he can use like Substances. different bars and i mean i you know i don't know i no, don't know but, that, doing, but he's fair uh, enough yeah he's i mean he's a strong strong guy and nice. like 400 kilo deadlift you know he's he's in a, 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 a class of his own really at this point but uh but yeah so he didn't go he decided not to go uh, and i got the i got the call up for for europeans and worlds and it was like 2015 was like Europeans in March. So I was flying out to Prague competing against like, you know, some, some really, really high level lifters and then doing all right in that. I came about halfway up the, halfway up the class in that and then went, got the invite to go to worlds. And I got absolutely thrashed at worlds. <laughs> um, cause it's a, that it really is like, have you heard of Lane Norton before? Yeah. I imagine you probably have. Yeah. So he, he was there, um, like, uh, you know, competing alongside Lane Norton who's squatting, 305 kilos or whatever he squatted shouting um, the whole time shouting the whole time with like striated quads <laughs> bicep tricep separation you're like i'm in the wrong place man but yeah so that that was a hell of an experience it was only like a year and a half in to to part to my powerlifting career um and yeah all the stuff we spoke about like the, the feeling of prep for that um I think the thing that I underestimated more, like, I mean, still now I look back on it and I had a, I had a terrible meet at Worlds. Like a really, you know, those days in the gym where like, you get under the bar and it just feels heavy. Yeah. Um, feeling that in the warm up room for Worlds Ugh. is not what you want. Uh. <laughs> so, but like it was, there's like a five hour time zone difference. So it was in Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my girlfriend flew from the UK. We arrived in Amsterdam, changeover. I rang the guy who was picking us up from the IPF because he had to get this approved bus. And he rang me back and was like, I'll be at the airport at, at 3 a.m. And I was like, what? It's like, yeah, I'll be there at 3 a.m. to pick you up. So we had to like get like little bits of sleep in the airport um, until 3 a.m. Then there's like a two-hour drive. And there's not really any darkness in Finland. So it was like light the whole time. Yeah. So, um, or at least the, yeah. So I had like, I had like 24, 36 hours in this hotel with no darkness to try and get some sleep and like get back to feeling normal. Um, and I think the time I was lifting, it would have been like 7am UK time. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots, I mean, I'm not making excuses, but it's just the nature of international competition, right? Which is, I wasn't ready for, um, yeah. like I should have flown out earlier. It was well, like, it's also like, if you're doing international, like I, I find this with like rugby is like, this is something that the players never take like into consideration. Like you're always told when you're going to train. And a lot of time, like when I used to play for Poland, we would train, like they would organize every training and they would organize them with a purpose. I remember one time I didn't know that we were kicking off late until the day of the game. And then I was like, Oh, that's why we've been training so damn late all this week. Like I was so confused. (laughs) And then I realized, yeah. And, and every, like, yeah, you get, you have to, but to have to, Think about all that stuff, organize all that stuff, and then perform is a bit of a ball leg, I guess. Yeah, I think I read, I think it's David Hay, the boxer. I think yeah. like, when he has a fight at like 11 p.m., he moves his entire life around that time for the entire prep for the fight. And like you hear stuff like that and you think, God, that's so extreme. But when you experience it and like you're performing at a time you're not used to performing, when you'd normally be like sat on the sofa, like scrolling through social media having a coffee and you like there's Lane Norton and you're you're trying to get amped up and and (laughs) squat the heaviest weight you've ever squatted it's just a it's not what it's not how you should go to a competition like that 
but it was a hell of an experience like it was um it was awesome to do but it felt very much just like off this bus and so, before i knew it, i was in in a competition trying, yeah. to, trying to move weights that i what were your, what were your lifts at that, that meet it was like two i can't remember i think i might have missed 220 squat Mm-hmm. But it was around two twenty, like a one four five bench, and then a two eighty deadlift, two eighty five deadlift. What was your weight? I was in the ninety threes, so I've been ninety one, ninety two kilos. Uh, is that so like, do you weigh in like the like an hour before, a couple of hours before, or what? Is there? A, yeah, yeah, so it's more morning of normally, or I mean, at that level, it's like a two hour weigh in, I believe. So, um, like a little rehydration, but not really. Yeah, yeah. So, like in some in some competitions in some sports, they do a twenty four hour weigh in, so you can weigh in like a day full twenty four hour window before mm-hmm. the event. In the IPF, it's, it's technically supposed to be two hours, which they don't always adhere to locally because they just don't have the resource. But somewhere like that, like you are, your weigh in is like two hours before yeah. you're on the platform, so you you're pretty you're not. I wasn't like losing loads of weight to make weight, but you 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 don't want to fly to Finland and then weigh in heavy. Right, so you, right. yeah, so that's why you're up, giving yourself a little yeah, bit of wiggle room. Exactly, yeah, because you, you know, you, you probably have this yourself. Like, you get off a plane, you're a kilo or two heavier for a couple of days because you retain some water. Like, yeah. you don't, you do not want that to happen. Um, when literally, like, <laughs> that you know that you are there for the team. There's only a certain number of spots on the team. You've got to be there to get the points on the board and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. I mean, looking back, there's so much I'd have done differently, and so. uh I kind of approached the whole thing totally differently, but it was an awesome experience. Um, and then uh, are you planning on ever trying to get back to that level? I'd like to, I think, um, which is like a recent shift, to be honest, in how I feel about it. But the, the standard now is so much higher. Um, yeah. Is think- it more, is it the top end isn't like that much higher, but that middle sort of 95% to 85% is just filled with, that much more people that you can't have like an off day if you're exactly. in that category. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so like that, that year, excuse me. So 2015 nationals. So I think I competed like four times in that year. Um, I went from placing third and like, to be honest, placed third with like a fairly average total. Like I didn't have a really good meet and I still placed third a year later. So went and did Euros, went and did worlds, went and did nationals again and didn't even come top 10. With, this, with a similar total so like that's a representation just year to year of um I, I think there was a few people who kind of made the sport a bit more trendy and like sbd came in and mm. all the british team had sbd kit and it had it was a bit of a different sport than it was a couple of years ago so um more people wanted to compete standard went up um so in the 93s now like a, a total under 700 kilos just doesn't even get considered for anything you know, you need to be totaling like mid seven hundreds to eight hundred kilos. Yeah. Um, whereas I would have come third at nationals with a six forty total. Yeah. So that's a there's a there's a big jump, and you're right. Like the top ten in a weight class, very very competitive place to be. If you can get in amongst that, it's still hard to place because everyone's so strong at that level. And I think that goes. That's kind of why I asked the question earlier about like if um yeah if someone just compete that doesn't compete and they just do the lifts like would you consider them a powerlifter like because the sport's grown so much um it's like you might as well just go and compete because you you don't have to like it it used to be 
like with these niche sports, you're like, oh, I only want to compete if I'm going to be competitive, I'm going to place in the top, whatever. But now they're just yeah. like more and more freaks that are appearing. It's just like, just do it and have fun. Um, yeah. And yeah. that does tie to rugby quite a lot because I always, I, I see it a lot with, you get certain competitive people and they want to play for the highest level. And like, I find that no matter what level you play, it's still, you still do it for you. You know, it's still about your mm-hmm. enjoyment. And like, I'm sure like, yeah, it was a cool experience competing in worlds, but like some of the regional ones where you had your family there and you know, you, you made Absolutely. some really good lifts were just, or even probably you look back and they're even more fond memories. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Really? I couldn't agree more. So, yeah. So like the, I mean, locally when like, you know, my, my, my dad comes and watches and like, I have a group of friends watching and it's a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Um, and it's it's competitive because every like no one's there to win it, like win worlds, yeah, um, or even qualify for worlds. You know, you can you can like push your third deadlift attempt and go for something fun, or you know, and it's just a it, you're having a good time mm-hmm. rather than worrying about everything. Like there's all this pressure about you need to be at this on this line at a certain time, and you need to have done warm up three by this mm. time. And um, so yeah, I, I agree. Like from the perspective of enjoying the sport. I think it's the same with any sport, right? Like everyone wants to be at the ve- the most competitive level, but they don't necessarily, they wouldn't necessarily want that if they really knew what the ins and outs of that would like. Right? Yeah. It doesn't get more enjoyable as you get more, uh, as you get higher up the chain a lot of the time, it, it get, there's just more pressure. It's not the same fun. thing. Like the, the people you're going up against are still as strong as you, if not stronger, and you have to try and win. So whether yeah. that level's up you know, up here or, or at a more like, at a, at a lower pressure level, it's the same experience, really. Yeah, I think I think the highs of the high, the top end, can be higher, maybe. Yeah, but I guess it's all mm-hmm. relative. But like, even like, I feel, you know, it's you, you the more like your general like lower level fun that you're having, then those are the experiences you want to just keep going for. And that's that's kind of what I say to a lot of the amateur guys that I'm playing with, and or even or that I'm coaching and. I find it when I uh, when I'm just playing touch, like I still have just as much fun just going and play like touch rugby on like a on a Wednesday night with just old people. <laughs> it's just it's just a laugh, and yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but is so um, I did want to talk about the, this episode I, I heard you do on Modern Wisdom about the fitness menopause, um, and is that mm-hmm. something that you think was a fallout from Worlds? Or do you want to yeah, briefly explain of. what you what fitness menopause school means? It's quite a good name because it's very self-explanatory. But yeah, sure. So I guess like the theory that that we like, so Chris, who's the like the main host or like the owner of the Modern Wisdom Show, and then you suffer myself who go on it quite a bit. Like we we talk about this a lot that most people in their kind of mid twenties have fitness as a fairly big priority in their life, right? Like especially if you've played sports or competed in something before it's like the thing that you prioritize you would never dream of missing a session you would never dream of of like not hitting your nutrition for the day it's like a huge part of your life mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of certainly a lot of my friends like i just turned 30 a lot of my friends just turned 30 and i think a lot of them who are into training kind of go through this like you know like can't really be bothered it gets a bit boring it kind of doesn't really serve the same purpose anymore because you're not you're not necessarily trying to get shredded or you're not, you know, you kind of, you've, you've competed in stuff that's like, and, uh, you know, for me having been a world, it's like, well, what's, what's beyond that? Like there is nothing beyond that. It's mm-hmm. not, even if I got back there again, it's just getting back to where I was. It's not, it's not progressing. Um, 
and so that when I don't think it was necessarily um, worlds that did that, but it was it was kind of a phase after that where I tried to um, keep competing. So I kept competing for quite a few years, like mm-hmm. on and off, three or four years. Moved up a weight class to try and get more competitive that way, um, and basically ended up getting injured. Like I got injured under like a one rep max squat attempt. Um, like physically felt something in my quad like snap at the bottom of a rep, which was awful. Still like you still play it over in your head whenever you go to train. But um that triggered this like right, I'm I'm done with this. Like I've gained all this weight. I've I put so much time into this. I'm sore all the time and now I can barely walk. Um I'm not like I'm done with this sport. And that led to like trying CrossFit for six months. I did the CrossFit open. Uh, I did some bodybuilding. I got really into golf. Um, I tried lots of different things that weren't powerlifting um, to try and find the buzz again, like the high of, of like training going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like a lot of people I know resonate with that. I don't know whether you like, do you have anything? Or have Absolutely. You ever had that? Yeah. Um, when I, when I stopped playing rugby, I, I did the same thing. Like I got, I stopped playing rugby within six months I did, or maybe six months, might've been eight months, but I retired because I got like too many concussions. I then, mm-hmm. I was like, right, I'm just going to get as lean as possible and, and like do like a photo shoot thing. Did that. And then I was just like, okay, now time to really add muscle. But that's it, it's so slow and so tedious. And it's that, like, yeah. and every, it's the same with strength and um, quite a lot of pursuits actually. But the better you get at something, the, you know, um, what's the word? Like, it just gets that much harder. You need more units of effort to then add one extra kilo, then an extra kilo. And every extra kilo becomes significantly harder than the last and, yeah. and put your body under that much more strain. It was just like, oh, what am I doing now? And then I found jujitsu. And that was like my, um, that's been my thing that I've uh, kept pushing for. And it's given me a bit more context, but, and I say this for the rugby guys as well. It's like, they have, what's cool about training for rugby is that you've got quite a few different elements that when you hit that, like it's the progress that's addicting, and then when you realize that everything is that much harder to keep achieving, like even if you're going to even make any achievements after a certain level, it's like mm. where do you go from there? And so with rugby, you've got speed, power, strength, um, muscle, fat loss, fitness, different types of fitness. So you've got so many different avenues that you can, you know, almost keep going through those sort of newbie phases. That I think it's quite enjoyable, and it gives you a context to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and and jujitsu is the one where they've got like you know their biggest thing is that you know they've got people that have been doing it for forty years and are still quote unquote learning because there's so many different sort of scenarios. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did I did find I definitely found a few phases where that was like it was you know, you're ticking the box, but you're not and you're saying yeah yeah I'm going and ticking the box, but it's even like less than that. It's like you know when people can't even be bothered to put that first half of the tick. It's just the line. yeah i think like um something that that definitely happened to me was i I started like before i got into powerlifting was like i just want to get abs because i think having abs will be like that's the thing that's it once i've got abs it'll be amazing and i got that and i was like all right done that now now what i'm gonna deadlift like so initially it was 200 kilos and it was you know and the the line just keeps going up right Mm -hmm. it's like now, now what i want is a 700 pound deadlift because it's five kilos heavier than, than I've done at the moment. But you think, oh, well, I'll hit that strength number, and then that'll be that. You do that, and you think, all right, well, now what? So 
the, and you've got so much work once you've hit those milestones to keep those milestones. That's the thing. That it's, it's like that, you know, the, the yeah. four weeks to being shredded. It's like, okay, even if that was possible, like if it just took four weeks to get shredded, what sort of lifestyle did you change then? And, and what's going to happen in the next four weeks? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's, I think you just like, you get a bit older and you realize that like actually go, you know, not training for a week and just, going out and having a couple of beers and not counting your macros and not training and not feeling sore all the time is actually pretty good fun. Yeah. And then it makes, yeah, so much, it, yeah, it makes it so much harder to get started again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think most people I know who've been really into fitness have gone through that kind of phase yeah. where fitness used to be a huge priority and they used to turn down social stuff for fitness. And now it's the other way around. And then that usually ends with like getting back into something. So I guess for you it was, jujitsu right like you can yeah. stop that and you think right i need to find something else otherwise i'm gonna be like so far out of shape it's it's like you can't rescue it um but yeah yeah it's a i, I think it's just a symptom of like pursuing any goal really when you hit it if you don't have a, a plan for ne- what's next um you're left in this limbo phase for a while yeah um so then you've you've then got back into powerlifting. did i see that you've you've um uh, you've got the what? Uh, who's your, who? You got a new coach? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was. Uh, this was like end of last year. Um, so I would say last year, so twenty twenty, I was still very much in the fitness menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I was still trying like bits of bodybuilding. I was like really deprioritizing training. So I was just doing like three sessions of forty five minutes a week. Um, and then I was chatting with my girlfriend saying like, none of this excites me. Like none of this, I don't get motivated for the gym anymore. I don't want to train. Um, this used to be like such an exciting part of my life. Um, cause she, she came with me to Europeans and worlds and she saw like how into it I was. And that's a big part of me that just disappeared. Um, so I thought like, well, what, what is it that of, of anything that actually I find motivating? And the only thing that I find motivating really is, um, I still have this like local deadlift record. So in the 93 kilos in the Y and EPF in the GBPF in the IPF. So this like nice. super, super specific thing. I have the deadlift record. I was like, well, it wouldn't it be cool if I could just bump that a bit further out of reach, right? Like if I could get back down to 93 kilos and I could push that just, just further away so that no one ever, I mean, I'm sure they will, but you know, if I could break it one, one more time, that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of know that it's going back into the same mentality, but at the same time, if, if chasing that gets me back into a rhythm of enjoying training and just enjoying the process again, like I'm kind of happy to pay the price. So I was like, right, I'm going to train again. Who would be the person I would like trust more than anyone else to train me? And it's a guy called, who I, we met a couple of times. We've had him on the podcast a couple of, a couple of times. He's called Mike Touche. He, I guess, popularized RPE-based training. So I don't know whether your listeners have heard of that. I assume they will. Um so he's come up with a lot of frameworks behind that. He's been coaching me for three months or so now. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm like for the first time in in a couple of years, really. Um, I feel like I'm like back to where I was in terms of how I feel about my training, which is cool. There you go. And you've got the you've got the garage gym as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Very lucky for that. I mean that that's something I've had for a very long time, um, but never really uh, like used as much as I could. And then obviously with gyms, like gyms are still closed in the UK. Um, so kind of being forced to. So I've, I've like added little bits to it to make it 
a bit more usable, a bit more appealing. And I'll, mm. pro I'll probably just continue training in there, to be honest, because it's so much quicker. Um, yeah. Like not having to drive to the gym saves a lot of time. Absolutely. And, and you can just go all out and get it done at, yeah, without even leaving your house. It's perfect. Ex exactly, yeah. Like leave one remam in the gym, basically. Did um Was that like part of the reason that you were like, you, you got back into the, the powerlifting was it because you were sort of having to do it all at home? Like it's very, it's a quite an easy accessible sport compared to, or pursuit, I guess, compared to others. Or was it just that like, how did you find that groove again? Like what made you really realize that I want to get back to powerlifting? I think just the, so like to get my lifts to where they are. And I, so I suppose I tried, I tried, when I tried CrossFit, I tried Olympic weightlifting, right? And I set, I was like, right, I'm going to set some targets for um, Olympic weightlifting. I'm going to mm. set some targets for like Fran and all these things. And you realize, like I realized really quickly that like a, all my, my, like my deadlift has no carryover to that really at all. Um, and then you're like, well, well, of course it doesn't. Cause like people who are really good at clean and jerk or snatch have been doing that longer than I was doing deadlift. Like I, I get it to, I just stand up. Yeah, you know, with a, with a bar in my hands, and that there's quite a lot of practice going to adjust that. And I, now I want to get it to over my head. Um, and I think I realized just how, just how much practice I put into this sport, into powerlifting, to get to even the level I'm I'm at. Um, and I, it felt like I was throwing it away a little bit um, yeah. by stopping. So I actually entered. The, I, I started training again with zero expectation. Like I, I had no. I had no intention of competing again. I was like, I'm just going to do some really light, really easy, like powerlifting style training and just learn to enjoy it again. Five by five. And I was doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was doing that for a couple of weeks and then uh, like, you don't know, just the, the eye of the tiger came back, I guess. Nice. <laughs> I just so it wasn't, you didn't, you didn't like sit down and, and you didn't do the, cause I know you're quite big on doing that. Um, the goal setting and things like that. So it wasn't a case of looking at those sheets and be like, oh yeah, actually this is really important to me. The, the conversation with my girlfriend about it was kind of the trigger to, yeah, I'm going to start training again. Like I'm going to start doing powerlifting again and I'll just slowly move more towards that direction. And around, around the same time, so to mention Lay Norton again, um, he, I saw him post something about it being his birthday on Instagram. Um, and he was like, I can't remember exactly. But I think I figured out that he was like, I think he's just about to turn 40 or something like that, or he's 39. And so I was like, shit, like that means that when I competed against him, he was like four years older than I am now. And he was at that level mm. and he was like winning. He won a gold medal in squat. So I kind of discounted it and thought, you know, like power things for people who are like 22, you know? Um, but so seeing that, having that conversation, my girlfriend realizing that, you know, if actually if I put four years in, I'm at where Lane was when he was at the top of his game. Um, it's, you know, it just felt motivating again for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know four what... years knowing what you know, like having learned all the lessons that you've learned already. So yeah, it's not like you're Hopefully, starting yeah. again four years from being 22 yeah. year old Johnny, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. But I think having time away from anything like any, any sport or any pursuit, like having a proper break from it is important as well. So I feel like I've given myself that. Um, and that's probably what was recreated some of the motivation as well. 
Hi guys, I just wanted to jump in here to tell you that if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to become a better athlete, then you can go ahead and visit rugby-muscle.com and pick up any of our free goodies. That is uh, the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, the physique nutrition crash course video series, the supplement guide, and newly added is a macro calculator. Yes, that's right, a macro calculator where you will be able to work out your protein, carbs, fat, and calories that you should be eating on a daily basis to give you a guide as to where to start your diet from. This will help in conjunction with your 53 conditioning sessions to build you out a decent little plan that will enable you to take control of your training and use effective training and nutrition to become a better athlete. All that stuff and more can be found at rugby-muscle.com or rugby-muscle.com forward slash macros for the macro breakdown. Yeah. So what does what does your training look at like now? You mentioned that you you were, you were doing three sort of forty five minute sessions. I'm assuming it's a lot more. It's a bit uh, different. Yeah. yeah, it's like five two hour sessions ish. Um, squat, bench, deadlift plus accessories. I've got. I've just recently bought like a a velocity a bar bar speed tracker. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like part yeah, of the loves those things. Yeah, yeah. He does. Basically yeah. You're training so, for that. Yeah. Exactly. So part like RP is basically um, subjective ratings of like, you know, if you do a single, how many more reps could you have done? If you could have done one more rep, it's a nine. If you could have done two, it's an eight. And then the, the back off work is based off that basically. So all, all my training is pretty much a top set with a, that you then say, well, if that was a single and an eight, then I probably could have done this weight on that day for a single, for an all out single. Mm-hmm. So then if I do like 80% work, it's based off that estimated max for the day. So my training is always moving around based on um, like how recovered I am or how, how I perform on that day, basically. And I suppose the, uh, his whole thing is you try and put the, the right weight on the bar and do the right number of reps with it for what you're capable of on that day. Um, so it's all, it's all that really. Um, but it's, it is very much powerlifting work. It's, it's squat, bench, deadlift, and then some bench variations, deadlift variations and squat variations with an occasional like barbell row in, in that. <laughs> but yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty specific to be honest. But if it's, did you say five, two hour sessions ish? Yeah, more or less. It's a lot of volume. Yeah. It is. It's interesting because yeah, people is. think that they can get the same, you know, that it's like strength because they look at strength work and they see that it's low reps. They're like, Oh, this will take me like faster if I can do it. Or especially if I do clusters and it's like, like that is okay to like, bump up your your one rep max up by like a five ten percent or something if you're like fairly low level trained but then to get stronger from that like you plateau real quick doing that sort of style of training and it's like the, the actual work it takes to get stronger is actually completely different to the work it takes to sort of express that strength does that make sense yeah yeah completely and uh, like there's also a function of um you know when you if you if you're if you're fairly new to training and you your one rep max squat is I don't know, 100, 130 kilos or something, um, to work up to 80% of that, it doesn't take that long. And there's only a certain number of warm-up sets you can do between bar and that. Um, so the, the stronger you get, the more kind of warm-up time there is, the, mm-hmm. the, the longer it takes to reach your top set. And you're still just a, you're still just a human, right, with like bones and ligaments. And, and it's, it's, there's a lot more kind of strain that goes into moving a, a, a heavier barbell. Yeah. Um, so you, you need more rest. You can't just do things every minute on the minute or something like that. You know, it, it might be three reps, but if it's three reps at a at an RP eight, that's pretty all consuming. Like you you need 
you can't do a 90 second rest typically yeah um so it does take time and then the deadlift's even worse like talk about yeah. an exercise that's like overall fatiguing yeah like proper central nervous system shut down after a, after yeah. a heavy set of deadlifts yeah definitely. yeah which is why like i um for my athletes i i, I rarely do squats like barbell squats sometimes but I, I i can't remember the last time i put in a, a deadlift app for someone that wasn't completely new and it's because like, mm-hmm. it's just so fatiguing and like you say you're all still humans and there and for, for your pursuit like you've got to back squat you've got to deadlift but if you're doing this as a way of doing rugby like it just that's you know you could say it's so fatiguing and it's like it just crushes you why not try an alternative that doesn't crush you um, yeah and it's there's there's quite a lot of like associated injury risk with stuff like a even just a back squat like if you don't have to do it um you know anything can go wrong really in like as i mentioned i got i got an injury in the bottom of a rep um and i don't think i did anything wrong right like i don't, I don't think it was a particular the setup was fine it felt the same as the previous reps just mm-hmm. something about that day um and you, if you don't have to push things like like that to train for sport you're training for it's probably not worth the risk yeah but for you, it's like that, that, that skill of squatting and deadlifting is also really, really important. Well, that is the sport, yeah. yeah. It'd be like training training for rugby without like ever touching a ball. Or, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. There's certain stuff you've just got to do, right? So, and that, those, those three lifts are the sport. Yeah. Um, and I guess in the reverse, it would be like trying to get better at, um, I don't know, getting better at CrossFit by playing rugby. Like, that wouldn't make sense. If you... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, maybe yeah. be some carryover, but, like, yeah. Yeah. You're better off practicing the thing that you're ultimately going to be, be doing. Yeah, uh, which um, sort of leads me on to, like, your actual work with other, you know, clients. And your main focus is, like, busy people. I, I must, is that right, just because of your background? Yeah, yeah. What you That's guys exactly focus right. on with propane? Yeah, so I think the... Like when, when we started doing uh, online coaching, I think Yusuf and I both thought, because at the time we were both, we we were not powerlifting competing at the time, but we were both into that style of training. So we mm-hmm. thought like, oh, we're just going to work with powerlifters. Um, but you quickly realize like that market's not that big. And even even the people in that market, there's a lot of competition. Like, there's a lot of people coaching for free. People don't buy a powerlifting coach necessarily because they see a good ad, right? Um, so the problem that we knew very well how to solve was well we both tried to make all this work around 60 65 hour work weeks in finance and mm-hmm. we knew a lot of people who were still trying and still struggling um so the way that we program and like, the advice that we give to clients and all that sort of stuff is very very different like i wouldn't be giving someone who has no control over their schedule five two hour sessions a week um right it's and like what they're looking for generally is not um, they're not looking for a new bench one rep max. No, they're know, not they're looking, looking to hold the best uh, deadlift in Newcastle. <laughs> powerlifting. <laughs> <They're> not, <laughs> no, no, like not generally. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we do, we do get some inquiries for stuff like that, but the like the bulk of the people we work with are like the your average, usually guys. I mean, we don't normally target. We don't like specifically target guys, but I guess we just attract people who sort of see see a similarity in where they're trying to get to um usually guys who are maybe a little bit into lifting um and they're probably doing stuff anyway they're probably like putting time in anyway but it's not really working for them and generally speaking it's you know they'll go to the gym and they'll do like oh well 
the that bench is free, so I'll do some dumbbell work, or like, oh, the cables are free, I should do some flies or something. It's that kind of, it's that kind of, and like we've all been there, right? Like we've all yeah, but that still hurts my head. Like I don't understand. Like people do still do that. They go to the yeah, they'll go to like that's most people, right? They go to the gym and like, right, yeah. what am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like, then, that's the like, biggest lesson I say in every in every video. It's like if you if that's you, then that's number one mistake to or number one thing to sort of fix going with a yeah. game plan of some sort like spending an hour in the gym with a session that has no bearing to the last session of the last week that you did and then generally like under consuming protein throughout the day but having a protein shake as soon as you finish training mm-hmm. it's like yes yeah. i suppose it's how how yusuf and i started so we're very yeah we've, we've all been there yeah yeah um and that the route they normally take from that road, that position to get better is like, well, just more of the same. Right. Yeah. So if I'm doing three sessions a week, like maybe I should do some stuff on the weekend now. And then um, maybe I need to add like a post-workout shake and a pre-workout shake. And maybe I need some supplements. Like should I be taking fish oil or creatine, but I'm trying to gain weight and I'm in a calorie deficit. And it's those kind of, those kind of mistakes. So we take someone like that who, has a bunch of motivation generally like they don't need to be told to go to the gym um they just need to point that in a slightly different direction mm. um and usually what we end up giving them is like way less than what they're already doing like yeah. two to three exercises a session yeah, very very same, basic nutritional the same changes. Thing. yeah yeah it makes it's, such a difference they, they think they're going to hire you and they're like oh no i'm not sure because i'm gonna have to do so much more stuff and you realize that less stuff is so much more because it actually has direction exactly yeah like i explained to someone that if you just like all you care about is these three exercises that you did last week do an extra rep or do an extra set or just like that's your focus that's all that matters if you've done that you can leave the gym like you don't have to you don't have to squeeze in some arms at the end of the session right like you've done what you need to do so get out and, and like enjoy the rest of your life um but yeah so that our like the majority of people we work with are are that um just because that is a bigger market like from a business perspective it's a bigger market yeah um and we we know quite a bit about that 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 so what it's like to be that person as well so then what would your main takeaways be for people that like they they, you know they say they they don't have any time but we know that that means that they've got some time but they've got to really figure it out what would your main process be to like sort of get them going as in like what would we do yeah or what so generally, like the the time thing is is either a lack of prioritization. So it's either they're either saying it because they don't they're not really sure they want it, or they're not like clear on what it is that they want, mm-hmm. um, or what they think they have to do is too much, right? Yeah. So like most people can fit it, like, even if it's like a thirty minute body weight training session two days a week in the morning before you go to work, like you can wake up half an hour earlier generally or go to bed half an hour later right it's just you've just got to find that window of time somewhere yeah i think the reason why people don't do anything like that or don't move in that direction at all is they think that that's pointless so there's no there's no point in even doing that they think mm-hmm. that it needs to be the the five days a week two hour sessions or, or nothing um so it's this the strategy we generally put into place is how can we if we know what the goal is so if the goal is weight loss or the goal is muscle gain or the goal is strength gain how can we make the fewest changes to someone's life and start moving a metric that we pick in the right direction, right? Yeah. So like if your goal is a lot, a lot of guys want to lose a bit of weight, right? They've gained some weight while they're working. They like their lifestyle has taken its tone a little, toll a little bit. 
Um, so instead of completely overhauling everything, it's like, let's add in some tiny changes to what they're doing training wise and probably strip away a lot of what they're doing. Let's make some really simple nutritional adjustments, see what happens. And if that works, it's like, well, don't, you don't need to add extra stuff in. You don't get extra points for like doing harder things. So it's the making it as easy as possible, making it as simple as possible, allowing someone to just tick the box every day without really noticing they're doing it. Yeah. Um, that's generally what we do, which is, I mean, always, we always get this like, well, these calories seem way too high. This training program seems too low volume, like too high compared to what, mm-hmm. or like too low volume yeah. compared to what, like what you think you should have to do to make progress, even though you're not making progress anyway. So yeah, ge- generally it's easy with what we start with and we make it more complicated as we need to. Yeah. The amount of people that are, are the same thing, it's like, they get worried that, Oh, this is, this seems way too easy. And it's like, yeah, because like you know, you actually have to start somewhere because you always go way too hard and then you stop within 10 days. Like if you yeah. just keep pushing yeah. through this easiness is going to actually pay off way much more than, um, sporadically trying stuff that's just too hard for, to stick to. And I, yeah, you're right. You're right in that expectation. Like that's, that's exactly what it is. They think they don't have enough time because their expectation for how much time they really need is so, so high unnecessarily. Um, because that's the advice that's generally thrown around, right? Like yeah. it's diet plans and it's things that are difficult. Like you need to not eat any carbs, like not eating any carbs is so difficult to do. So difficult to do. And if they think that that's the bar to even get the needle moving, it's like, well, what, it, what do I have to do to get into like the shape of a men's health cover model? Like what must that look like? Well, it must be really difficult. So when someone says just, just train once a week, it's like, whoa, no, like that's never going to work. Yeah, but it, it is an it, industry where let, it's letting people down. I think it's like in so many different ways, and that's definitely one of them. It's like yeah, sets up, but, but because that's, I guess that's because it's you've got to choose that line between entertainment and like because it's the entertaining stuff that's always going to be the extreme stuff, and that's what always gets. Yeah, well, no one, no one really wants to hear that it's just simple, quite difficult things done for a very long period of time. No, I make that joke. Like it's like men's health is would would like stop selling as magazines if they just kept saying, "Oh, it turns out broccoli's still good for you." Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the the next drama, uh, yeah. drama ridden headline, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Which I saw. I saw they they're giving Joel. Ah, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into any sort of <laughs> things that annoy me. Um, so you said earlier. Like you make some, uh, you set your um, busy guys like calorie goals and stuff. So is is that is that always what you do? Because again, I think it's a time thing or a I eat out a lot thing. But people tend to sometimes push back on you know tracking their diet, and which is kind of confusing to me because I've done it since like twenty probably eleven, I think when I was actually like I, I had to use a, like a spreadsheet thing and that had a load of, yeah. like, you know, spreadsheet macros, not macros, macros, that uh, it was a ball ache. And that, you know, I stuck to for two weeks. But now you've got MyFitnessPal with its huge database. You've got so many different other software. Do, do you always give people macros and, and suggest that that's how they do it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, I think we feel quite strongly about this. I, we do get people say, like, I don't want to track. Um and that's like a, it's a coaching oh. conversation. I don't know what's just happened what? there. Hold on, your, your, your screen's gone. Carry on. 
I'm gonna. Can you still hear me? I'll figure it out. Now I'm. Now I know what's happening. <laughs> I told you I've been playing around with this thing too much. Um, too many, yeah. Too many complicated bits of software. We, we'll we be all good, though. Yeah. I'm gonna add myself. Now we're good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> if so, if someone says like, I don't want to, I don't want to track macros, which we do sometimes get, we see that as a like, we, you know, we need to have a conversation with that person about figuring out why. Um, because it's, I, I put it in the same category as like, I want to save money, but I don't want to look at my bank account or, you know, it's like, it can be, it can be tricky to look at the, look at the numbers, but you've mm. got to look at, so you've got to track something. You've got to, you've got to monitor something. Um, Cause what you're doing right now is not achieving the result you want. Um, and we need to kind of know back, back to what I was saying, right? Like you don't want to just slash your calories and then, make that the only change you want to have these kind of you want to have cards still to play so if you can drop 250 calories from what you're reading on a daily basis and start losing weight and barely even notice it that's amazing yeah. right that's a that's an amazing position to be in but to, to be able to make changes like that you have to have the data and know what's going on so um the way i always picture to people is because people respond and say well it's too restrictive it takes takes too much time um i don't want to be like glued to my phone and tell me what to eat um my my reply is like it takes me and i imagine you're the same tj like it takes me like five five minutes a day maybe to track my macros um, and that's like the usually like before my last meal is generally when i do it so like i'll have a yeah so i'll do i have a pretty like consistent daily intake of what i eat like breakfast and lunch generally the same the thing that varies is what i eat for dinner usually because i i eat dinner with my girlfriend so like i'll plug everything in including the meal i'm about to eat before dinner and make yeah. sure that like when i eat when i'm about to eat it just lines me up for the day and i'm done i barely have to think about it but that that five minutes of of like a discipline creates all the flexibility yeah. it creates the creates the like if i want to have something different i can if i want to have dessert i can i just have to like take it off tomorrow or and it's a it's a skill set i think it's a skill set that if you really learn it yeah, and that becomes how you see your nutrition. It becomes a bit of a game, but it also frees up all this stuff. It's like, do you want to go out for dinner on Saturday? Yeah, no problem. Let me move my numbers around for the week and just make it work. No problem. Like fit yeah. in, it's fit in without any issues. Versus like, well, there's no meal plan in the world that where the dinner that I want to have on Saturday will be on it, right? Like, yeah. like I'm gonna have to somehow. Fa- I've got to change something to make that work. So people think it's restrictive. I actually think it's more flexible. Um, and if you've got it, you, you've got to have a, you've got to have something different to what you're doing. And if that's just five minutes a day of plugging some numbers into your phone, I think that's a pretty good deal personally. Yeah. It's just so right. It's, it's, um, I, I like, it's just quantifiable. I always say that's, that's like my, like, because if you can't put any data, if you haven't got any data, you can't make any alterations really without knowing what's going on. So like, yeah once and then the other thing is like the education side of things like you learn like so many like i think every time i get people that haven't tracked before and they start tracking they there's like three different foods that they're eating consistently that they thought were the healthiest like granola is always <laughs> one i thought yeah. i thought the granola is healthy it turns out i was eating a thousand carbs for breakfast every morning lethal like, yeah a thousand uh, calories yeah and, mm. and like so you learn those things and then you realize that once everything gets quantified then you can manage it better and that flexibility is the other one. Like it, it just removes, like, I find that if I track, I, I've started tracking, um, 
like the night before or the morning as well, or, or like to set out my day. And, and then even I, some, most of the time I won't track dinner and it just, I just feel so much more freer because you're not making, you know, cause if you have to open the fridge, it's the same thing. I think it's like going to the gym and figuring out what to do once you're at the gym. If you open the fridge and you know exactly what you're going to eat, like yeah. it's so much easier just to stick to that. And then if you find like lower calorie options, if you're on a calorie restriction, you don't have so much room to eat at night or if you're someone that's trying to gain and you can have a higher calorie option in the reverse it still works as well i think de- de- i'm i'm a, i'm glad that you don't let any you know it's rather than saying oh here's another way that you can do it without knowing what you're eating you're right you stick with it yeah and, and like i i'm convinced that having like if you want to have like a you know cheat day um having like a instead of doing that like have so I suppose there's two scenarios someone wants to cheat day. One of them is like they've been in a calorie deficit for so long that they can like physiologically tell that they're depleted and they're tired and, and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And the other is you're just craving like a type of food, right? So having three slices of your favorite pizza that fit into the macros for the day is way more rewarding yeah. than just having an entire pizza and blowing your diet for the week, right? Like there's, some, there's something about having food you enjoy and it's still kind of being compliant with your goal that makes it actually more enjoyable. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It yeah. feels like you're kind of like, you I shouldn't think be doing this, right? It sort of it helps get rid of cravings as well. It keeps you like more consistent because then you know, like you're able to eat this stuff and stay on track. And, and because I think the cravings come from, that's the fact that you're not allowed them, you know, like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, then, and then it becomes a case of, well, if I'm going to have this one thing that I'm not allowed, I might as well just fucking do everything. And then diet starts Monday and then you sort of recycle. And you just, I think you, you see things for, for what they are, right? So, like, you see granola as, like, if you have 2,000, like, a, a budget of 2,000 pounds for the day, mm-hmm. granola is a very expensive thing to buy with yeah. that budget. Like, you can, but you're going to have to then not have much for the rest of it. I think you, you don't see foods as black and white. You see them as, well, that's very calorie-dense or that's yeah. not very calorie not has a lot of protein in for the calories or, or not not very much protein in for the calories so yeah I, I mean it's the way that we coach everyone um we're not really a fan of i think like going after the root of that you know habit-based approach or like a, a palm or a fist or a thumb and kind of measures in other ways they're just ways of attacking the same thing without being really less looking accurate at, yeah, yeah yeah and without without like looking at what actually matters which is the numbers yeah that's true all right so Last three questions. <clears throat> what this is one I'm enjoying asking at the minute. But what does the fitness industry look like in twenty years' time? So I think there'll be. I think there'll probably be more innovative solutions to, like, try and help people. Yeah. But I I can't help but think that people will probably still be struggling with things like weight loss and muscle gain and. Because it, it like violates the, the the way the world is moving is is more in the direction of quick and easy and yeah. further away from difficult and kind of rewarding delayed gratification, which I think true fitness achievement, whether it's like hitting a new one rep max or getting abs, you can't buy those things. You have mm-hmm. to, the only way to access those things is to literally say, I'm going to sacrifice right now like i'd ideally not go do this two-hour session i'd ideally not track my macros but i'm gonna do it because in six months time it'll pay off i think we'll still have that problem in 20 years time 
Um, if anything, it might be worse. Um, yeah. But I think there'll be a lot more apps. There'll be a lot more kind of tech-based, you know, ways of tracking. You know, might like take a photo of your food and it uploads it into my fit. Like, be a lot more solutions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the core problem really is that like a lot of people don't make the progress they want because of a like a, a deep like emotional misalignment. That yeah. you know, if it's easier to to overeat today and to not exercise today and forget about tomorrow than it is to do the things that are compliant. So I think like, unless it's not really a tech solution to sort of the only ones that, yeah, the only things that sort of tap into that and get closer, like you know how different apps, they do like streaks and stuff and they try to sort of gamify it. But that that still doesn't, if anything, that, that does, that does more harm than good as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, like it'd be great if everyone was shredded and massive in the future. Right. But like, I just think, probably i mean it might be easier to do and it might be simpler from a tech perspective there might be like simpler solutions and maybe we'll figure out a way to make it easier to change your behaviors and stuff like that but failing that i think we'll probably it might even be worse because yeah go back like i think there's, there's something in behavioral economics where they look at how easy it is to to acquire a cupcake as like an in, as an index, right? And then if you go back fifty years or I don't know, hundred years, and you want a cupcake, you have to like go to the shop, buy the ingredients, come back, make it yourself, and then eat it, right? Whereas now, like, how long do you think it would take you to get a cupcake? I, I could order a cupcake on on my laptop here, right? Not literally, not leave my chair. <laughs> how, how ridiculous is that? Yeah, like you could have a cupcake at your house. In, like you could have pretty much whatever you want probably in your 30 house. minutes yeah <laughs> within an hour um yeah. and so like that means there's even more pressure on you to be like no no, no i don't want a cupcake which i mean that's a right. good thing right that like this it, that's the way of the world but it yeah teaches something there's it, something underlying that it teaches the brain that isn't a good thing and you're right like there's no tech solution to that the only thing i can think of and it's something i've been promoting with these this question is like there must be there'll probably be more pharmacological, pharmacological, uh, solutions like, like, you know, they're trying out these car blockers or appetite suppressants and they're a bit, they're all a bit dodgy, but I can't help but think in 20 years time, they might be better. But even then it's like, that's just pushing the urge, the, the physical words to eat a bit further back. But I don't know if it's going to, that's going to really help. Like there's still, that's the only yeah. thing I can think of. Like, and, you, and you're right. Like, I, you know, get around it by just chemically altering people. Um, and I'm sure that would work. Um, but I think like the, the, the main problem is that everything, everything in our lives is becoming easier to get now. Yeah. Right. Like whether that's like dating or texting someone, calling someone, being able to have a video call on demand mm-hmm. or watching TV or whatever on demand, like it's just the same. Um, so you're right. Like I think either it'll go down the route of, like pharma companies will just take care of it for us we won't even have to try um or it'll be worse than it is now yeah um just because of the way we're we're being like trained by big tech you know like all social media is just yanking on that chain and all Mm -hmm. we want is immediate gratification um you don't get that from an hour-long training session right you don't leave the training session look at yourself and like wow yeah i've added added an inch to my arms like i think it's worse spend the next hour like feeling tired you're sore the next day you gotta do it again tomorrow and you're hungry like Mm -hmm. that's the opposite of post something on social media and get 100 likes so 
hopefully the trend changes and people you know boycott those things and and decide to to take the longer term approaches but i am a bit skeptical i think it might end up being worse (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. all right so then if people are gonna um push their feelings back you know they're gonna they're gonna bite the bullet they're gonna take this long-term um approach and actually go into the gym what's one song that they have to put in their playlist yeah so i have a pretty weird taste in music actually um well i get told all the time it's weird so i'm into like either like really heavy metal or uh like quite heavy like edm dubstep music (laughs) yeah um but the sort like what i would put on for right now for a like a one rep max attempt um is a band called Beartooth and a song called enemy that will be my yeah something that i've noticed as well like as a general tip um if you're in the gym and you're wanting something like really psych you up take your favorite band or favorite song and look on youtube for them doing it live somewhere Uh. um generally that like so any djs you like listen to a live set of them it's way better it's just like atmosphere and there's something about that in the gym um that's better than like listening to it on spotify or whatever so that'd be a good a general tip even if you don't like bare tooth which most people don't um (laughs) then uh then yeah that would be my. that's a good idea actually the live set because it's like you know you spend forever pressing next 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 looking for the right song and it's never going to come about so exactly. If you've got a live yeah. sound, perfect. All yeah, right. stick stick like your favorite DJ on for an hour. It performing live somewhere is pretty good. And then where can people go and find out more information about you? Propinfitness.com. Simple as that. And uh it's easier than you you don't want Instagram followers or anything like that, mate. It's, it's all, all, like, all... <laughs> propane fitness, right? It'll all be in the link in yeah. the thing below. It's, it's, all, it's, just, it's all linked, yeah. So it's one of those I things that like... it's obligatory for me to say, just because I've got to make sure that we put it all in the, the description, but it's all going to be there. So. Well, I mean, you can do, you can do. We do, we have an Instagram. We do have an Instagram. But yeah, I mean, the reason I say the website is like everything's on there. So we have a free macro calculator. We have links to like the business stuff that we do. We have links to our YouTube, our Instagram, our podcasts. So it's all all in one big hub. Beautiful. All right, mate. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you cool. on, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been Check awesome. Check out. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode of the Robbie Muscle Podcast, then I've got a quick little request and a potential prize giveaway for you if you do said request. All I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and type up a five-star review. Just your general opinions of the podcast would be great feedback, but also helps us reach higher rankings, get more exposure, allow me to attract more guests and devote more time to developing a better all-around podcast experience for you. All you have to do once again is go and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast service you use. Let me know that you've got it. And then every single week, I'll be selecting one review to give away a free prize. That free prize will be either one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. That's our world-class strength condition program app delivered directly to your phone. Or if that doesn't interest you, then we've got one free consultation where I'll, I'll go over your training program, your nutrition, and advise you how to best plan for your goals. Even if none of those things interest you, it's still doing me a solid and helping the podcast grow by going and giving us a five-star review. There's no real excuse. It takes like one minute and that helps the show out exponentially. So I'd really appreciate if you could do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.